So this is early for you, 1102? Okay, you don't have to put that out. Is that how we're starting? <laughs> is that what we're doing right now? My goodness. I'm saying, Justin, that this yep. is my first um, work-related activity of the day. So have I been up for a few hours? Yes. Am I, but podcast, are you still maybe getting like my Eartha Kitt voice? You know, because because I haven't like had to speak a whole bunch this morning because I've just been on the laptop. But it's fine. Eleven is not early for me, sir, because I know it's two o'clock on the East Coast. You're not gonna do me like that early. No, 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 no. no. Listen, it is fine, and if anything, hopefully this will heighten you up. I mean, you know, we call it a dose of black joy and caffeine. Well, because the guests that I have on this podcast, they're actually the joy. Um, and I look at myself as the caffeine because I could be a little extra at times, but all all with good intent. Um, but with that being said, though, thank you all so much for tuning in. And I guess this is a bit of a surprise. You know, um, it's not um, a true season, um, but it's a bit of a podcast uh, special, as we're calling it. So I'm excited to bring you the first episode of a series of episodes that we're going to be having and really excited to have April Rain here. So welcome to a Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be the first in this series. That's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and I mean, rightfully so, you know, April, you have um, not only put in so much work, but played such a pivotal role, um, I think, when it comes to culture. So trust me, I am honored to have you here. And uh, especially as we close out uh, 2023, which has been a very busy year. So um, thank you so much for coming on. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Great. Well, let's dive a little bit into your bio. And for our listeners at home, April has practiced law for nearly 20 years and really honing her craft of public speaking as well as writing and also impacting policy. So we're going to dive into all of that. But it wasn't until she actually walked away from her legal practice that she really found her true passion, which is several different passions uh, that she has honed and has made her um, the cultural force uh, not to be messed with by no means. She has really had an impressive uh, career um, inspiring uh, not only creators, but activists as well as brands and really working with corporate organizations. And she's also a sought after advocate when it comes to consulting, speaking, writing, as well as speaking about issues pertaining to diversity, equity, and inclusion. When you think about someone that is at the pulse of culture while also uh, remaining authentic, which, fun fact, do you know that was Webster's word of the year, authenticity? Did you hear about that? I think that's fantastic. It's it's necessary. It gets overused quite a bit um, these days, I think. But yeah, I try to live my life um, authentically. I, I don't know how to be anybody else. So you're going to get 100% of me all the time, good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's exactly what she does. And her work has definitely um, um, been um, sought after by so many people when it comes to uh, not only talking about things, but also uh, providing change. So welcome to A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. Thank you. What your listeners don't know is that we have to pay you for a <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like that. No. My goodness, that was great. 
no please by no means say that this is for us by us uh no no partner sponsor nothing it is just for the culture and that's what i love about this um and we've i've had friends of yours on this show for sure so um i'm excited they're gonna they're gonna dive into this one so you know april let's just jump right into things because what i love about your career and what you have done is you have ultimately done what i think so many brands are unable to do which is tap into culture while also providing advocacy for the communities that you want to reach and also reaching into authenticity. And I want to know now in your career, without giving away too much of your secret sauce, what would you say is like the strategy behind how you approach problem solving when it comes to merging culture along with still um, answering business problems and or objectives? That's a really great question. Uh, I, I think it goes back to Webster's word of the year, authenticity. You know, you have to show up um, as your true self. And, you know, maybe you're, that's a white man in a, you know, in a boardroom, or maybe it's a, a creative of color who wants to make change. Um, so I think authenticity is number one. And number two is cultural competency. Um, you have to know the audience that you're trying to reach. You know, I, I use the example all the time of that. Um, I won't say the brand name, but it, there was a soda um, that thought that they could solve racism with one of those Jenner Kardashian gals. You know, she takes a sip of soda, she high fives a cop and and all is good. And there's rainbows and puppies for everybody. Right. Well, yeah. and that commercial received a significant amount of backlash and it cost millions of dollars to make. And they had to pull the commercial because of the backlash on social media. And that happened because the right people were not in the room. If you had had a person of color, especially a black person in the room, some you know with with authority, right? With with authority and agency to speak up. So it's not enough just to have a black person in the room to say you have them, but all they're doing is taking notes and they don't feel agency or you know feel that they have the ability to speak up and say, hey, you know, the emperor's not wearing any clothes or whatever, or y'all gonna get you know dragged on Twitter at that time. You know, y'all are gonna get dragged on Twitter if you let this fly. So it's people with cultural competency um, in positions of power who can make decisions or at least influence decisions, uh, I think is the most important part of getting, of being able to tap into the culture and still make those brands, organizations, networks, studios money, because that's the only thing that they understand is money. The, the bottom line is, so you have to talk to them in that language. You know, so when I go in and have these consultations, it's sure you're making a bazillion dollars like all of your c-suite has their own private planes whatever but wouldn't you like to make more right yeah. and, then, and they're like oh yeah of course but you know what do you have for us it's like well hire some black folks hire some people of color hire some trans folks hire some disabled folks hire some queer folks hire the people that you're trying to reach right we know the black people run the culture we set the trends we are the ones that everybody's looking to and then decides to either appreciate or appropriate right but if you have the right people in the room who can help influence those decisions whether they're creatives of color whether there are folks um in the lgbtq plus community whether they are disabled folks that's what's going to make the difference and so that the brand or studio or whatever shows up authentic authentically when they're having a conversation with their audience. 
I love that. Thank you so much for 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 talking about that. And I think that you know you're absolutely right. It starts with the people around the table, right? And also who you're hiring. So I appreciate you reinforcing that because for brands that are listening to this, um, I think it's important. And you also mentioned your uh, consulting work. So really quickly, and we're going to continue this, uh, you know, to learn more about you. What's the best way that people could get in contact with you? I am Rain of April, R-E-I-G-N-O-F-A-P-R-I-L on every social media platform. We're not calling it the new name. It's still Twitter. Um, so on Twitter, on Instagram, I, you know, if your grandmama uses Facebook, I'm over there too. Um, LinkedIn, you name it, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I will throw out this disclaimer because, yes, this is going to air before 2024, but circle back around next year, though, for with April. I'm sure she is very, very busy. And speaking of busy, I mean, 20 years. And I think that you're being modest. It's probably more than 20 years, to be honest, that you've just been working and putting in work. And I love to ask this question on this podcast because it's my reminder to the listeners to take that vacation. And we know that you're not shy of dipping your toes in sand, but what was the last great vacation that you went on? Ooh, the last great vacation I went on actually was in August slash September of 2023. I visited Croatia for the first time with um, five or six of my cousins. Um, Croatia was not on my list at all. Uh, it was not someplace. I'm not even sure I could have picked it out on a map, to be honest with you. But yeah. my cousin was doing all of the planning. He said, we go in. And I said, fine. You know, I'm always, yeah, as you say, I'm always, I've got my passport all the time. I'm always ready to go. Um, and it was beautiful. And I will say in all of my years of eating, um, it, I had the best meal of my entire life while in Croatia. And it's absolutely beautiful for those folks who watch Game of Thrones, I am I am not one of them, but for those who do, um, <laughs> Game of Thrones was filmed there. And so, you know, there's a lot of history and touristy stuff. But for those of us who did not, um, it, it's just a beautiful place. It was very, I found it very, and all of us found it very welcoming to people of color. You know, we were six black folks um, on this trip. And, and obviously, yes, we stood out, but everybody was very friendly, went out of their way to help or, you know, and they speak English mostly, which is, you know, important if you don't speak I don't know what they, it's Croatian. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it was great. So, yes, I, I try to, um, you know, I, now that I am where I am, both of my children are grown out of the house independent. Uh, and so I am, uh, and so we all have find my iPhone on our phones. And so nice. they know, you know, Carmen San Diego or mom, AKA, you know, is out in the world somewhere, but they know where they can find me and then I can find them. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely always down to go somewhere. I love that. Absolutely. Especially for, I think, the work that you do. I know that there's a lot of conversation about respectfully how taxing it could be at times. You know what I mean? Because, yes, it's fun and it's creative and we may see these other elements of it, but it's also advocacy. So I think that that's important. So let this be your reminder. Take that vacation, put in those vacation days right now and then worry about where you're going to go later. Um, absolutely. 
So, you know, prior to you uh, working um, and still like, you know, being very involved in media as well as working closely with brands and tech, you know, you spent uh, 20 years, you know, uh, within law. Um, you had your your JD from uh, the University of Texas, which shout out to Texas. I used to live in Dallas, Texas. Um, and so to that standpoint, though, you know, there's always so much conversation about ownership, particularly when it comes to uh, creators. How impactful was you really having, you know, your degree in law as well as knowing about law when it comes to now working in this industry? Um, and the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because I think that everything starts with education and you hear about Black creators who don't know how to advocate for their work or, you know, some of the, the details around law around it. But how impactful has it been to you? Like Justin, you are a really good interviewer. These are questions. I mean, I've done a bazillion podcasts and I've never been asked some of these questions before. So that, that's fantastic. Um, it, I, I am very thankful that I'm not actively practicing law anymore. Uh, you know, it was sucking the soul out of me. But mm. to your point, um, learning about intellectual property, um, the, the legal aspects of it, was incredibly important uh, because I want to talk, you know, Prince talked about owning his masters and how important that is. The same concept applies to creators, you know, and now that we have social media, there are really difficult questions. You know, when I created Oscar So White, you know, when I create a hashtag, what am I supposed to do? You know, do I trademark that? Do I copyright it? What does that mean? You know, when somebody creates a viral TikTok, you know, what did they do and how do you do it after the fact, right? Because yeah. once, once it goes, you don't, you never, almost never, um, there are times when you can sort of massage it so that it happens. But you, typically, you don't know when something is going to go viral until it does. And so how do you, you know, how do you protect that horse that is already out of the barn? Right. Because what, what do you do? Because then people can, you know, whatever it's called, you know, clip it and take it and use it and, and put it on a different platform and all the rest of that stuff. So Knowing the difference between a patent and a trademark and a copyright is important for creators. The um, Knowing how to protect your work and also how to monetize your work is important um, so that you can get paid for your, sorry, for your brilliance. Um, yeah. There is an organization out of D.C. called Take Creative Control. You can find them on the social media platforms run by Kim Tignor. Um, we'll put which, it in the notes too. Yes, thank you. Which which works with um, artists and creators to help them um, protect and monetize their work. Like they literally have lawyers on staff that will help you copyright, you know, your song or your hashtag or whatever it is that you want to do, um, so that you not not only can get the money for it, but also so you can get credit. Uh, yeah. Which is important sometimes, you know, social media moves so quickly. And, you know, I've seen, you know, people say, oh, Jada Pinkett Smith created Oscar So White. And I'm like, hold up. Like, you know, she helped amplify and that was great, but that was actually me. Does that matter? Sometimes not in the, in the big swing of things, um, but especially for smaller creators when they're just trying to get their feet off the ground, having attribution can make the difference, especially so you know, a record studio or a brand or whatever knows where to go to find that person to get more of that work. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think beautifully said. And so, um, you know, the, the amount of education that you've done, yes, we may not have 
20 years of you know law law experience but i think that it's still about knowing um um your you know what you're worth and also to being able to do that so i appreciate it um so you mentioned oscar so white you know um obviously i know that you've had um, a ton of conversations about it and um, we're all so familiar with it so you know we can never stop acknowledging it and also you as the creator of that you know hashtag um but now as we come around do you feel and think that hashtags still hold the same weight that they once did oh that's a good question i i this is going to sound really egotistical i think maybe um but i don't think so and i think that's in part because of the downfall of twitter right? There aren't the same people on the same number of people on Twitter. There's not the same quality of conversation on Twitter. Um, and people aren't looking to Twitter the way that they did five or 10 years ago. And I think that's unfortunate because hashtags are a, a great way to galvanize um, interest and movement in a particular situation or cause or whatever. You know, I think about Oscar so white, I think about me too. You know, there's so many out there. Um, that really did, um, I want to say, change the conversation or amplify the conversation, right? And uh, and yes, you can use hashtags on some of the other social media platforms, but it doesn't have the same urgency, um, and and you you aren't able to have the same in depth conversations around the hashtag as we used to on Twitter. So you know we can blame Elon for all of that. Um, yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I, and it's, it's really unfortunate because hashtags sort of were, um, they, they helped to level the playing field, right? You didn't have to have, I think I had like 8,000 followers on Twitter when I created Oscar So White, which is still a, a decent number, but it's That's not the obscene number that I have now, right? And, and so hashtags allow, anybody who has um, something to say and you know a way to back up what they're saying to really get the conversation out there in the zeitgeist and unfortunately i don't think we have that anymore yeah no that's well said and also too once again april april must have woke up to come on the show very modest but she says eight thousand. it's definitely grown i think across the board but also too i think that that was also a time where it was organic so most likely i'm sure you were either at conferences and or rooms or really forming actual relationships with a lot of these people that are following you and you weren't purchasing followers either. Um, so I think that that, that's, uh, that should be said. There's a sense of community that was there. Um, so as I mentioned, we're calling this uh, the best of 2023. And I think one of the things that, at least for me, was rather exciting about this year was this was the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Are you a hip hop head? I am a huge hip hop head. Thank you for asking, Justin. Yes, I spent um, months, literal months, traveling around the country, enjoying various hip hop shows. Um, I am 53 years old. So, you know, when hip hop was born, I, I where? was- Wait, so, where? Hold on, wait, wait. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank God this is video, uh, audio. Um, so, so I grew up with hip hop, you know, and now I'm very blessed to, Call you know some of the greats my friend you know and and so I didn't want to miss it you know I figure in another fifty years when folks are celebrating the hundred years 
let's just say I may not be traveling as much, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I wanted to take advantage um, of this opportunity and it was fantastic. And I'm very thankful. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, in other genres of music, as the artists get older, there isn't as much attention paid to the age. You know, I think about like the Rolling Stones and, you know, Paul McCartney still singing with the Beatles and, El you know, Elton John and, Elton you know, R&B, yeah. you know, whatever. But in hip hop is like, oh, that's old school. Da, da, da. It's like, but that's the foundation of mm -hmm. everything that has built up. You know, you, you cannot have a Drake a Drake without, you know, Rakim, you know what I mean? So whomever your current favorite, you know, you can't have a Doja Cat without Busta Rhymes. I mean, she took, you know, his music, you know, so whomever your current favorite artist is, you need to look back to, you know, who was the originator, originator of that flow, that style, what have you, and give them their flowers. And, you know, a lot of these folks aren't getting any younger. Um, we've lost so many in the last couple of years. So I, I was really happy to see um, all of the concerts and the shows and the events around the country and, and, you know, the stuff on TV as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up a good point. I mean, this is going to air in a couple of days, you know, because it's our first episode. But let me tell you all this, because I know sometimes y'all be knocking April here. If I see a think piece about ageism and music, because that point, I have never heard, but it makes so much sense. And I don't even think that it only happens with hip hop. I think even R&B to where we just don't allow our black greats within R&B or hip hop just to exist. But you do have, to your point, Rolling Stone, Cher, Mick Jagger, Elton John, where they're, no one's mentioning nothing about their age. So that's a, that's a good think piece. Well, you reached the point where I do have a bit of a little game for you. Now, mm -hmm. I know you mentioned friends of hip hop, so we're not gonna hold you to it. And by no means, I don't wanna see anyone in your comments, but who would you say are your top three hip hop artists? I know, <laughs> of all- I'm making a face because you're gonna get me in trouble. Um, um, top three overall hip hop artists. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start with um, Black Thought. Um, you know, we are recording today, which is the seventh anniversary of what I think is the best freestyle of all time. It's like nine minutes of brilliance. And for me, for those folks who are listening, freestyle means off the dome, not something that you're reading off of your phone or whatever. Like if you've said it before, it's not freestyle, right? Um, so I, I want to put Black Thought up there. Um, I have to put Black uh, Big Daddy Kane in there. I'm definitely nice. biased because he's a friend now. But you know, I think that his flow, you know, and and um, you look at the inspiration that so many artists got from him. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's undeniable. Big Daddy King was the first person to put Jay-Z on a stage. Not many folks realize that. So you would not have the Jay-Z that we have today for better or worse. Like we can get into the politics of that. Um, but you would not have him yeah. without Big Daddy King. And the third, got to go to the ladies and Queen Latifah. Oh, yeah. um, you know, not only was her flow sick and is still sick because we Ew. saw, you know, perform recently, 
Um, but the transition that she has made, like she's not just a rapper. She is also a bona fide singer. Like she was on Broadway. She is a bona fide, you know, movie star, TV star with her show, you know. And so I, I love not only um, what she did for the hip hop world, but also the way she successfully transitioned. And her hair is always laid. Like I need to give flowers to whomever Queen Latifah's hairstylist is because we have never seen a single hair out of place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to Latifah. And also, too, she is recently now the first, I believe, hip hop inductee into the Kennedy Center Honors. So um, I don't think that that has aired. It may have it may air when this episode airs, too. But, um, you know, definitely check that out. Um, awesome. I appreciate you bringing that up. So, you know, back in 2015, you know, there's obviously the conversation around Oscar So White that you started. And, you know, now, um, I mean, we're coming up on, you know, a pivotal year to where AI has been so talked about, especially as it pertains to um, the recent um, writer's strike as well as actor's strike that took place. I would love to get your POV on the future of AI within the Hollywood entertainment industry and also some of the maybe similarities that are red flags that you're seeing between Oscar So White and the use of AI in the um, entertainment world. Yeah, it's a great question. I, I uh, AI concerns me, you know, not just because I am, you know, whatever, well-seasoned, <laughs> you know, but, but, also, but also because like, you know, I, only recently turned Siri on on my phone. I'm like, she's not paying rent. She's not coming in my house. Like, you know, I don't know who Alexa is. I'm not doing any of that. Um, but but we need to talk about AI. And, and people, I think, have different thoughts of what AI is, right? I think about the movie um, iRobot with Will Smith years ago, right? And, and so now we see like those dogs that they're being trained to, you know, supposedly do things that help humans. I don't buy that at all. But um, with respect to entertainment, one of the things that the actors was stri were striking about is um, studios will be able to say, okay, your first day on set, before you have shot a single scene, we're going to do like a head to toe body scan of you, actor or actress. And so, you know, if months down the road, we need to reshoot a scene or something and you've gone on to a different project, we can just use the AI version of you to, you know, hit that little scene because you would turn left and you were supposed to turn right or what have you. Well, that sounds, I guess, smart economically, yeah. but it also means that, you know, if there's now, if that first movie does really well and they want to do a sequel, now they've got your whole body and your, you know, voice and everything else, and they could shoot an entire sequel without you potentially, which affects your money, right? Um, it affects the points that you may get on the film, and it, you know, and you won't get a salary for it because you've already given away your entire likeness. Um, and and we're seeing some of that start to happen now. You know, a few years ago we were talking about um holographs right they were going to bring yeah. Tupac back and you know it's that's ai like those are the things that we need to be thinking about and and it concerns me from you know an oscar so white standpoint because it's already hard enough for people who are typically at the margins you know underrepresented marginalized folks to get roles to get opportunities 
Yeah. If you're not going to give them a one-shot thing and say, okay, well, we don't know if this film is going to do well, so we're not going to pay you a whole bunch of money for it, and we're going to scan your whole body. But then that film makes a bazillion dollars, and then now they don't have to pay that black or brown or queer actor um, more money for the sequels. That's a problem. Right. Yes. And so how, how do you get into those rooms? And I think so that's in front of the camera. I think there are also issues behind the camera as well. You know, if we're talking about something like chat GPT, you know, I know that students are using it to, you know, write their papers in high school and college and whatever. I have issues with that. Um, but also if we if folks are now starting to think about using chat GPT or something similar to write scripts, well, you know, so then when the award season comes around and it's best adapted screenplay, are you giving the Oscar to a MacBook, right? Because, because like who actually wrote the script? And that takes away from the creativity of those people who want to be in the industry. You know, not, not everybody wants to be, you know, Denzel or Viola Davis or Michael B. Jordan or, you know, whomever your A plus, you know, A-list actor or actress is. Some folks want to be writers and directors and editors, right? And cinematographers. Well, if you're taking those roles away and giving them to a computer or to AI, how do they get those opportunities, especially when it's hard enough to break into the business to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. Beautifully said. And especially I love the note that you mentioned about uh, uh, students as well and like the use of it there, right? Because there's a lack of maybe interest that goes into some of these heavy papers that they do have to write or that you do have to write when you're in high school. I remember having to write some very heavy papers. And I know that writing is something that you're passionate about. Um, and it sounds like you're also passionate about youth. Do you currently or have you thought about being a professor? Oh, I don't think I'm smart enough to do that. <laughs> oh, please. Are you kidding me? I, you, you there's be, no way. Any college's top pick, trust me. No, yeah. I'm just curious, like, hearing you and looking at your background in 20 years, I'm like, you're the type of person that we need in a classroom. I, I thank you for that. It is not something that I've ever considered. You know, I, I can do a one-off. Like, I'm, I'm happy to go into somebody else's class and have a conversation <laughs> for a day. Okay. I don't know that I could create an entire syllabus and do an entire semester at work. Um, but, you know, if there are any universities or colleges listening to this, you know, I could be in a Christian <laughs> something or other. Like, I'm not going to say no to Jesus, you know. <laughs> but, um, no, we don't yeah. keep that door open, but it, it's not something that I consider. But thank you for that. Okay, no, yeah, no worries. I was just curious because I think that, you know, the 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 use of AI within the classrooms and also in terms of the, the burning of books, like there's so much related to, I think, culture and everything where I think the education system is something that I get concerns about um, because it seems very fleety and I understand YouTube University. I'm okay with that, you know, but also at the same time, you know, um, we need great professors. So just was thinking about that. Well, you reached the point of the podcast where I um, ask every guest. Um, I always say that you coming on the show, you know, like I said, you're the joy. So it can be joy. But if you had to give a dose of anything to our listeners that are listening going into 2024, what would you like to give our guests a dose of for 2024 that you feel like culture and the people listening we may be lacking? I would like to give your listeners a dose of self-worth. I think know your worth 
um, you know, should be the anthem, the mantra, especially for people of color. Um, and I want you in 2024 to walk through the world with the confidence of a mediocre white man. Uh, because they, you know, they, they show up in spaces that they do not belong. They take all kinds of authority that they have not earned. Um, and, and so we need to do that. You know, we need to say, yes, I deserve to be here. You need to apply for that job that you don't think you have all the qualifications for because you know what? Connor would, right? And, and then you fake it until you make it and you, and you get that job, that, you know, that adds an extra zero to your paycheck or whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah, I, I think knowing our worth um, is, is incredibly important for us in this day and age because there's always going to be somebody that says you can't or you don't have enough or you're not ready or whatever. And I say just put all of that, you know, not even the backseat of your car, put it in the trunk and, you know, let it bounce around in there. But you drive toward your purpose and your goal um, with confidence. I love that. Thank you so much. Self-worth and confidence. And yes, you all heard it here first. You can have that dose and you can run with it. Um, so along with everything that we mentioned, I mean, I, I know we're going to need a part two, but who knows? Maybe it's coming in a book that you have already wrote or that you're writing. Um, you got all kinds of ideas from me that I do not have for myself. I love this. Yeah, I am doing so much for this. You're going to be like, Justin is putting me to work. It is the end of the year. I'm trying to rest. I'm trying to get some eggnog and just chill. But 2024 is around the corner, so I am not mad at it. Thank you, Justin, for putting all of this positivity in the universe for me. Who knows what may come of it? Yeah, absolutely. Look, let's do it. Why not? Um, but something that I will never forget for 2023 as we're talking about culture is we have to talk about spill. Congratulations. I know that you're a senior advisor for that. You and Alphonse have been longtime friends. I've had him on the podcast. I had the opportunity to actually recently meet Kenya. Uh, so really um, fan of just the team and what you all are building there. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, Spill and the platform for those that are listening. I would say, you know, respectfully, you may be under a rock, but for those that are unfamiliar with the app, can you talk a little bit about it? I would love to. Spill is a social media platform that is visual conversation at the speed of culture. Um, we are created by, we have two Black co-founders. Um, the vast majority of the employees are Black and Brown and queer. Um, we are intentionally here for people who are usually pushed to the margins. So at the center of our mission statement is to uplift um, Black women uh, and queer people. Um, we are also, from the very beginning, thinking about the entire diaspora. You know, we here in the States can be very xenophobic. You know, nothing happens outside of the contiguous United States, but there is an entire world out there. And so we, you know, are working with um, already on the ground with folks in Ghana, in other African countries, you know, we're looking at the Philippines, um, we're looking at India, we're, you know, we're just thinking about bringing everybody in into a very safe, positive, uplifting space in a way that we haven't had before. Uh, to be very clear, this is not Black Twitter 2.0, this is not anything 2.0, this is a brand new um, idea where at its very foundation, we're thinking about people who are usually the afterthoughts. 
Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and I, I think it comes at such a crucial point. I mean, I can tell you as the head of uh, global social media um, and also just brands in general, there's been so much conversation about platforms versus content this last year. Um, guidance on the platform. Why are we showing up on this platform? What is this platform doing? And I think that that's only going to grow. Um, and so, you know, when you are uh, swimming in spoiled milk, I think it's really hard to come back from that. But when, you know, it's fresh and it's rich and it's brand new, you can only be starting, you know, uh, from an amazing foundation. And I, I really did love the overall rollout as well as the team. So um, I'm wishing you all the best for next year. I know it's going to be a big year. Um, it was great. I think the the trending moment out of nowhere, you know, um, and all the amazing wins. So congratulations to uh, you all. Thank you. I, yes. And I want to point out as of today when we're taping, um, Spill is available on iOS. So in the, in the, nice. app store. Um, but and it will be coming before the end of the year. So just depending on when you're listening to the podcast, before the end of 2023, it will be available to everybody, regardless of what phone you hold. It'll be available in the Google Play Store for Android folks too. There will be no more wait lists. Um, you know, so everybody will be able to sign up for Spill by the end of 2023. Wow. You all have heard it here first. Ah, we have an exclusive. April, um, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for providing the opportunity for me to share. No, it's not even that. It's not even that. I'm not even talking about this podcast. I'm just saying thank you for the work that you do. Like, because we appreciate it. We see you. And um, it truly is an honor to have you on here. So I can't wait to meet you in person. You, you could also get a dose of whiskey, Justin, too, because he's a lot of fun. Um, but for the people listening at home, any final words before you get out of here? And um, like I said, first episode of this series. So um, please tune into the um, upcoming episodes as well. Yeah, I, you know, Justin, I think you, you're doing wonderful work here. Um, the way that you are highlighting your guests and, and asking really interesting questions. So it's it's not only for the, the people in the audience who are listening, but it's also for us, right? Because I get asked, how did you start Oscar so why? You know, and, and questions that you can easily Google or whatever. And you did not do that. You made me think. And so it makes it much more interesting. So, you know, I hope that folks enjoy this episode with you and me and that it spurs them to continue to listen to other episodes of yours, because if they were as good as this one, um, then, you know, they, they will be up for treat. So thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate that, April. And most importantly, thank you all for listening. As always, stay safe, drink a ton of water, and remember that you, my friend, deserve a dose of Black joy and caffeine. Until next time, I am Adu. <laughs>